Good morning and welcome to Friday morning, November the 10th in 2023 on When I Rise. Today we come to the end of year A, proper week 27, which is the 24th Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Friday of the week, I'd like to take a look at the gospel passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary. And this week of the church's calendar year, and so we find ourselves back in the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There are many. There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. While they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. This is the word of God for us. Right, so as we mentioned before, this passage comes as a parable towards the end of Matthew's gospel, and I lean heavily on Robert Farquhar. He's got this great commentary on the parables of Jesus. He thinks that as Matthew's gospel progresses, the theme of parables goes from kingdom to grace to judgment. And so we're getting into the judgment uh, parables here, and we could see this because the punchline at the end is to be watchful. There's a group of people who were equally invited, but because of their behavior, some were able to enter into faithfulness and others were excluded. And we tend to uh, kind of shove things onto this story, whether it deserves it or not. Uh, We hear these terms like bridegroom, and we instantly think about the book of Revelation, where it talks about heaven and earth coming together, being joined like a a wedding ceremony of God and God's people uh, joining together in celebration. And so we tend to think that this solely is about one's personal decision to follow Jesus. And certainly we can read it that way. But because Jesus is not totally clear on that, and Matthew has told us that uh, parables are dark sayings to where the meaning may not be easily ascertained, like right away, we should leave some room open uh, for this to imagine something else. I mean, Jesus is speaking in grim details here. Remember, he's in Jerusalem. This is the week that he's going to be apprehended. Tensions are building in Jerusalem. Um, when, we, when he talks about Jerusalem coming under destruction, um, some people try to shove on that this is like the end of times thing where uh, you know careful New Testament scholars in the guild would say, actually, it's probably more accurate to think about Jesus' understanding there's going to be a great crunch between Israel and Rome down the, down the line. And we definitely see that in history in AD 66 to AD 70. 
um, when um, Rome and Jerusalem uh, come together into a clash and uh, Jerusalem's ultimately destroyed. So we have to leave room for a lot of those things to, to be able to inform what Jesus uh, might be saying here. But uh, this, this passage actually in Capon's book was important to me. Uh, I wrote a dissertation about 10 years ago called Funny Uncles and Sons of Hell, Gospeling in a Persistent Postmodern World. I mean, it, it, the title sounds as exciting as the whole of it, but uh, the title and the main idea is actually, uh, it comes, it's inspired by a couple different parables uh, that Jesus tells, um, and uh, this is one of them. And what I'd like to do is to suggest uh, this reading of Capon, because Capon's like, you know, the moment that we start thinking about end times and judgment, um, we begin to get scared, right? And fear begins to wash over us. He's like, if this is truly what Jesus is aiming at, isn't it important to remember that when Jesus talks about judgment in some of these parables at the end, it's always in the context of a celebration. I mean, there's celebration going on. And what um, we could also say just philosophically is anytime there is an embrace, there's also an exclusion. So when uh, God wants to bring a finality to the story and he wants to make things right at the end. There is an embrace, those who've been faithful, and then there's an exclusion for those who've chosen not to embrace God's story. And so we do have an exclusion and an embrace in this story. And I think that we can say quite logically, uh, those who are left out, even though they were invited at the beginning of the story, um, they were they were foolish. They did not prepare. They didn't seem to take the 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 whole order of operations here very seriously and because of that they missed out but i'd like to read just this great uh this great paragraph from robert ferrar capon um, because i think that he gets to the heart of it and he gets to the heart of the the nature of god and the nature of what we're longing for and the restoration of all things the mending of the universe and the desiring of God's kingdom, as James K.A. Smith says in another series of books. But this is what Capon says, and I'll leave a link in the show notes to this book. I think it's worth having if you're going to take the gospel ministry of Jesus seriously. And then by all means, uh, get this book and uh, add it to your collection. But this is what he says. He says, When all is said and done, when we have scared ourselves silly with the now or never urgency of faith and the once and always finality of judgment... We need to take a deep breath and let it out with a laugh because what we're watching for is a party and that party is not just down the street making up its mind when to come to us. It's already hiding in our basement, banging on our steam pipes and laughing its way up our cellar stairs. The unknown day and hour of its finally bursting into the kitchen and roistering its way through the whole house is not dreadful. It is all part of the divine lark of grace. God is not our mother-in-law coming to see whether her wedding present china has been chipped. He's a funny old uncle with a salami under one arm and a bottle of wine under the other. We do indeed need to watch for him, but only because it would be such a pity to miss all the fun. There's a lot to say there and we could you know, squeeze like a sponge, we can kind of squeeze all of its worth out. But I think at the heart of it is this, the end times is not dreadful. It's actually something that we're longing for because it's the fullest expression of this friend and God that we've put our trust in. That when God returns, 
It's not a dreadful thing, even though we're going to get shaken down at some point because of the deeds that we've done in our body, according to the New Testament teaching. But ultimately, we're going to be in the middle of a party. And heaven is not about the place we're going to go ultimately. I think that sometimes American Christians have this idolatry of heaven and not a proper love for the God who's making the heaven, right? Uh, At the end of the day, the book of Hebrews says, with our eyes fixed on Jesus. It doesn't say with our eyes fixed on heaven, even though heaven is the space where Jesus dwells. Ultimately, we long for heaven because we long for the one who's going to be in the very center of heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so as we think about the issues of today, the troubles of today, and the desire for the end, may we we recalibrate our focus. And as we do so, we might find that we act more wisely than unwisely, like the different characters in this story, that we long for the kingdom, we long for the king, and we long for the time that we're going to share with him at the end of the ages. So with those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the picture of the end. Uh, We don't have all the details. We don't know the timeline, but we do know who's going to be there and whose world it's going to be. So God, this day, forgive us when we have taken our eyes off Jesus. And may we even put our eyes on other things that are good and decent, like heaven and the restoration of the world. But ultimately, our hope is built on nothing less than you, not where we're going. And so this day, God, we pray that you would impress upon us the loveliness of our God, that as the psalmist says, that we might delight in the beauty of your holiness and not just what you give as gifts and rewards, but you, the gift giver himself. And so this day, as we order our lives around that grand thought, I pray that we might live in the depths of loving you and loving our neighbor and that we would imagine a world that's restored and that we get busy and leading towards that great day. And so God, as we go from work to school to different places today, as we prepare for the weekend, We just simply pray that your kingdom come and that your will be done and that we would see Jesus. We ask all these things in his name. Amen.